Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film movie mates gaps in their view in history and recommend films to one another. And this week we are joined by Sam and Ben. Obviously always Sam, because Sam is the co-host. Hello Sam. It's in my contract. It is. But we've also got uh, Ben Dawson back again, haven't we Ben? Hello Ben. Hi guys. Back again. Back again for the 25th time. Back again. Yeah, for a lot. Yeah. I don't know if I'm still the record holder, but yeah. By overwhelming I public demand. Yeah. I think you are. I Do think we know what are. episode number this 86, is? 86, but Ben's, I want to say, 7th. That's, uh, yeah, I know I've, episode I've number plucked, this I've plucked that out of episodes for Ben. <laughs> no yeah. idea. Ben, you'll know Very more than us. What are the films you've been on for? There must be seven. Yeah. Yeah. I Let's guess just so. say seven. seven sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's been a while yeah, since the last enough. one. I can't, what was the last one uh, we had John for? Um, I think the last one was Halloween, wasn't it? Yeah, the thing, the thing. Bloody hell, that yeah. was a, oh yeah, it was that thing, was a long it? time ago. Gosh, new listeners won't know Ben at all. Uh, ben, give us a little recap. Who are you? What the f- are you doing here? Who am I? Who I ask are? myself <laughs> that a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's probably in the forum for that. <laughs> <laughs> Analyze this. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm Ben. Sam's you, mate. Sam's I mate like from talking uni. about films. Yeah, he's seen more films mm. than we have. Uh, yeah, he likes, he likes the interesting amount. He's basically our version of Stato because Ben's seen all the films. All the films. <laughs> ben, I mean, uh, in a given week, how many films? Do you watch? I know it's not insane, not, like professional critic amounts, <laughs> but do you sit down and watch a film most nights, or like what's your... not that many? It's weird. I think I did most of my film watching in my teenage years. <laughs> having fun. That sets you and up getting for girlfriends, life. <laughs> <laughs> taking drugs. <laughs> I did. I did most of my drug taking in my twenties, <laughs> making up for lost time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. You know, you, you, I think with Ben. You know, there's those dickheads on Twitter who who post their letterboxed um, scores, and it's like, oh, I've seen 600 films this year, and I know it's January 3rd, but you know, sorry guys, I'm lagging behind. Uh, those people, <laughs> and, I, and I know that Ben's not that in two reasons. He's not that showy about it, and he, he doesn't watch 600 films every other day. Um, but and I'm very, very lazy, very, very lazy. <laughs> but there's very few gaps in his knowledge um, and film viewing. You know, me and Hugh really we love films. We love to talk about films. We feel like we're knowledgeable about films, but there's a lot of big films we haven't seen and as you'll have clicked on the uh, the title of today's episode you'll see there was a very big film that I hadn't seen but I don't think Ben there's yeah. many big films in your uh, and many gaps in your viewing history is there I mean we couldn't do this show with Ben no he would he would have to be the one who was recommending to us every single time yeah he'd be like, Trust, oh, have oh, you, be like oh. Ben have you seen this and he'd be like yes of course I have, have you seen this would be like an hour of that like, Ben has we would call it Ben has seen this there's a lot of films that I, that I want to recommend to you but yeah. I've recommended a lot that you haven't watched yet so I need to like you know t- <laughs> speaking of lazy just calm it down a bit you've, you've added plenty of films to our to our list and our drive and we I just it never even occurs to me to watch them. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I think I think the last time I was on, you asked me uh, if I if if Twin Peaks was any good, the TV oh, show. Yeah, yeah. I haven't and seen I, it. And I said um, I said, oh, it's all right, it's all right. And then I realised, hold on, I haven't watched the new the new season. Right. 
and I watched and I watched it and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible! Like, and then I went back and watched the old one. I was like, this is amazing! Like, I forgot how good it was. And then, I, so I've gone on a whole whole David Lynch Odyssey rewatch. <laughs> I think I recommended Blue Velvet to you recently. So I yeah. watched it again. And I'm just like, you might have even sent me a, a file of it. So with Twin Peaks, right? Is it? It's very Lynchian. What what makes it so good without obviously spoiling it? It's so difficult. Like, it's just so unique. Unique. Like. The characters are amazing, and it's it's like watching an old nineteen fifties sort of um, sort of drama, like soap opera kind of thing. But then you, you've got these characters that are so good, and I think there's a there's a I, I can't remember how he described it, but you know Richard Ayoade. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a YouTube clip five minute youtube clip of him explaining why he likes david lynch and twin peaks and he explains it so well and i can't remember what he said for the life of me that, but it's uh, worth you, you had me at richard ayat and that was like I, you yeah. didn't even have to finish his surname and you, you had me okay i'm gonna make a link i'm gonna make a note of that very good mm-hmm. i'll Fair send enough. you one yeah and he, he describes it so well but the thing about twin peaks is like the first season is eight episodes and it's incredible and then you could really skip the last half of season two because <laughs> Like <laughs> it just goes down like so many strands of subplots, and you're like, ah, forget it, because <laughs> you'll get bored. <laughs> okay, yeah. Just watch the last yeah, episode, last few episodes of season two. Yeah, right. But I, I don't think you'll watch it anyway. I know. I, I won't until until my life goes to shit and I end up living with you again. Um, I don't, you know, we and, I, and then we we put it on of an evening. I don't think I'll ever watch it, but you know. They, we, know, watched Mulholland they, Drive, we? we watched Mulholland Drive. We watched that, yeah, we watched that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got mixed feelings about That's it. That's hardcore Lynch. Hardcore Lynch. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll try to Peaks. I'm sure he can't be too obtuse for for too long. But, uh, yeah, Hugh, give, give us a little intro to today's, to today's uh, lesson. Yeah, so we're not here for a David Lynch film. We're actually here for the uh, 1975 classic. That is Jaws. You might have heard of it. Uh, the Steven Spielberg film yeah yeah famous director you know he's done a few um yeah that's the reason we've got ben on because ben is our sort of horror guy aren't you ben i guess yeah that's i mean some text some some text me earlier in the week and said do you want to do jaws and i was like well yeah it's, it's in the top 10 films <laughs> yeah. of all time like and it, i thought ah oh, do i like it that much and i watched it again and i was like yeah i do i do love it <laughs> <laughs> well that's good isn't it um so yeah, so would you like a? Well, actually, before we go into the plot synopsis, Sam, I can't really remember what you said last week, but how much of this? How much of Jaws? What do you know about Jaws? What have you seen? What have? Because I have a sneaking suspicious Ben, right? That I think Sam's seen this film and forgotten that he'd seen it. I think this might be the first film that breaks. It was the whole, please watch this ooh. rule. It was a genuine worry, Accidentally. and I don't know if I even had it on my watch list at the start because I thought I think I don't know if it's a case of having a memory of seeing it or just I must have seen that. And I, I'm pleased to announce that in watching it, it didn't it didn't seem familiar. Other than the iconic scenes that I've seen, you know, via other mediums, it, I don't think I'd seen it from start to finish before. Um, right, okay. uh, you know, that's good. Had seen the iconic scenes, had seen bits. Maybe I'd seen the start of it at some point. I've seen you know bits, uh, and and Ben's mentioned stuff before. So I knew a lot of things. I knew how they how it ends. I knew there's a shark involved, obviously, and uh, all this <laughs> stuff. I, I'd seen the iconic mm. stuff, but I, I genuinely believe now that I hadn't seen it before this week. 
Right. Fair enough. Thank I was God. just curious because it is one of those films, like kind of like Star Wars. It's so in the popular imagination of like film culture that, like you said, all the probably the iconic moments from the film you'd probably already seen, like you said, through other, you know, other mediums, other situations. You know, like we said, we've talked about it many times on the pod before, where um, you've what you know we watched those hundred greatest movies sort of thing and. You know, they always show all the best bits from those films there. So, yeah, I'm guessing... There's, must, a, there's a couple of jump scares in particular that I had seen a few times, you know, when he's he's chucking the... Yeah. the what do you call it? The chump? Is it chump? Yeah, the, ch- uh, the chum. Chum. Chum, that's right. Uh, you know, yeah, and, you get, and, the and obviously when he's... Um, uh, when what's his name uh, from the National Ge- Geographic fella? Uh, when he's in, you know, looking underwater in that mm. ship, and the the head pops out. It, it did catch me by surprise, though. But I was like, oh, actually, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get into that. Fair enough. So I'll give a quick brief synopsis. So essentially, um, it's uh, summertime on the east coast in America, and there's a popular um, island sort of beach getaway. It's the uh, 4th of July weekend and it's, um, you know, the local economy very much relies upon this every year. Uh, The place is called Amity Island and uh, the story basically follows... um, there's a there's a shark attack uh, late at night. Uh, this young woman's uh, killed by a shark. Um, to be fair, local, she got her boobs like, out. What was she expecting in a film? Not yeah, to be killed. Yeah, come on, wrong. come yeah, on. You know, that's why I love seventies films. <laughs> yeah, <anyone gets laughs> the, their boobs the out morality of it. Instantly. It's not about a shark. <laughs> yeah, it's about don't get your boobs yeah. out. It's about yeah, but yeah, morality and all that. Yeah, and yeah, and so the local chief of police, uh, Roy Schneider's character, he's kind of investigating what's happened. Um, you know, a man who's very afraid of the water. It's it's established quite early on, <laughs> and um, he's kind of comes up against the local, you know, greaseball mayor who's like, oh no, everything's <laughs> fine. You know, you know, it's the I think he forces the coroner or something to say that it was like a boating accident or something like that, and um, and then you've got uh, Richard Dreyfuss's Hooper. He's this um, is he is he an oceanographer? I think that's, that's right. his technical title yeah. yeah he comes in to have a look he's been drafted in and he's like oh it's a shark attack and and yeah <laughs> I mean he's a bit more technical there, than really. that I mean yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well he identifies <laughs> yeah yeah he identifies it's great white and then you get finally um you get the character of Quint, uh, played wonderfully by Robert Shaw. He's the grizzled old sea captain who takes, who basically offers his, his services to kill this great white shark. And and in the end of the film, essentially, you've got uh, Roy Schneider, uh, Richard Dreyfuss, no, Schneider. The three of them are all on this. It's not Rob Schneider. It's uh, Roy Schneider. Schneider. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Schneider. don't mix them up. Yeah, <laughs> very different. Oh, actually, hang on. Uh, there's no N. Oh, there's yeah. no N. Basically, Scheider. No, there isn't. There isn't. Is there? Uh, Roy Schneider. You can, you, you, <laughs> you can do it. You, you can do it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. And um, they basically go out on this relatively small boat to try and <laughs> kill this great white shark. Mm. And yeah, it's they, they've seen um, the film. They know all this. Film. They know. They know all this. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's, I'd be surprised if. Many people listening just haven't seen it or don't know the kind of ins and outs of it anyway. Um, the question I have is, Ben, what is it that you like so much about uh, Jaws? Well, see, I think the, the thing about this film is it's why so many people like it. People probably like it without not knowing why they like it. 
and they like it because it's got a perfect structure. Like there's not a scene, there's not a scene in the film that isn't helping the plot. Like it's it's so it's such good filmmaking. Like they, I think they have like um, they must they must show this film to like film students and be like, yeah, this is how you make a tense film with interesting characters. Like copy this structure and you won't go wrong. And many films have tried and they ruin it because <laughs> <laughs> they just don't. So basically, basically, the first half of the film it's got this, it's got two halves to the film where the first half is introducing the characters and it, it's establishing characters that you care about. And yeah. none of the none of the characters have like motivations that you question that you go oh you know what what's he doing that for like everything like say you've got the mayor who's trying to keep you know trying to keep money coming into the town you know why he's doing what he's doing you've got you know um, Brody who's you know trying to <laughs> trying to stop people getting killed that's his motivation <laughs> and then you, you've got like um, then you've got Hooper that comes in and he's you know. He he sides with Brody, and then and all this. All, but there's so many subtle, good scenes that have like developing the character in a way that in a way that forwards the plot of the film. So there's no there's no point where it's like there's no pauses in the film where you think you know oh this is slowing down this is lagging this you know like they could easily have done had a scene that like you know had, had nothing to do with um like say say for instance Quint scene. Quint's monologue in the second half of the film where he talks about the Indianapolis. A lot of films would have like, you know, to get his character, they'd talk, talk about something, you know, something in his past. But what he's talking about is talking about a shark attack. So it's like, <laughs> he's still focusing on a shark. Like, I just, I, I just think, um, I, I, I just think it's got a perfect structure and all the characters, because you've got that character build up in the first half of the film, you care about them in the second half of the film when all the action takes place. And mm. I, I think a lot of modern modern thrillers just just don't do that at all. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think as well. Like I love the other things I love about it is there's a lot of good visual storytelling in there. Like um, there's a lot. Of, there's some like say for instance one scene where um, a couple of guys go out to try and to try and get the shark and. Um, it ends up taking like a pier off, and you see the pier floating away. Which is a good scene in itself because it shows, like you know, that people like it's a dangerous shot. Like you can't, no, almost anyone can go out and and take it on. But then he's swimming out, he's swimming out, and then you just see the the piece of the the pier turn around and come back, and you and then and he's just like like without showing the shark, it, it creates so much tension. Because especially since it's in the first half of the film, you don't even see the shark. Like <laughs> you've got this unknown terror that's terrorizing, and you're using your own imagination to uh, to create that kind of tension. Um, whether that was by design or or by the fact that the you know the shark, the special effects didn't work or not, <laughs> whether Spielberg got lucky, I don't know. But it really it really works from a, from a filmmaking point of view. It is um, one of those and, really and on, famous uh, you know stories that goes around in terms of making something better because the, they couldn't do something. Is that um, how true is that? Is that is that true? I think it is true. It is true. Like I've read interviews where the, he wanted to do more shots of the shark and he had to do rewrites, rewrites because it couldn't work. And it was, he's, I think he describes it as a happy accident. But if, I think he said if the shark had worked what he wanted to, it would have been half, It probably would have made half as much money and been half as scary. And uh, it, it, what, what, it just goes to show, like you know, it's so simple, like 
so simple you can do and a lot of films just do just you know get too crazy with the special effects and just show everything and i think i think also what i really like about it is is it's got such a simple simple plot and a simple structure and there's like you know there's a shark attacking people there's a guy who wants to go out and kill the shark but then you've got a lot of different themes as well hanging on that i think i watched a video on it uh, uh, i think um one i think they described it as like micro goals so throughout most throughout the film they've each character has got micro goals that they have to that they need to that they need to complete they need to go to to basically delay delay the ending of the film basically but all these micro goals that the characters have have got to complete say for instance brody brody could have just gone fuck it i'm going to take a ship i'm going to go out and kill the shark but no he has to get the you know the mayor's stopping him he could have just gone, no, I'm just got to notice the mayor, I'm going to go and kill the shark. But no, he, he gets the mayor, you know, he has to get the mayor to get get the mayor on side after, you know, something happens. And then he goes, no, you need to sign this. We need to get Quint. Because if you if you have a character who's just going, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do it. You, you haven't got that. You're not really on his side, I don't think. I, you I haven't think got a film as well. As like, you you know, know, he goes out with a gun and shoots it. Yeah, you haven't got a film, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you've got a best documentary, <laughs> but it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel contrived. It's, um, it, uh, yeah. I just think it, I just think it's the structure of the film is is brilliant. Like, um, uh, and all, it's quite brutal as well. Like, I was surprised at how brutal the attacks are for a PG film when it came out. It was a PG film, <laughs> or well, it, it's a PG film now, but. Like people could go like went like eleven, twelve years old on their own and go see it in like the UK when it came out. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else I, you like about it, Ben? Specific? Any like specific points? Well, there's so many, there's so many good scenes in it, iconic scenes as well. So I, I think, mm. I, I think also it's quite. There's got a lot of stuff that's still relevant today. Like um, the first half of the film is quite political. Where you've got like characters who, but um, it's basically like capitalism versus like the safety of the people in the first half of the film. You've got this person who's you know there's a danger. He's trying to save people's lives, but he's being stopped because of the need to make money. Yeah, I thought I mean, it was a bit. I thought it was a bit uh, far fetched. You know, there's a, a there's a massive public health um, crisis, and a lot of the experts are prioritizing. Uh, sorry, a lot of the people in power are prioritizing uh, profit over people, despite expert opinion. That is yeah. a bit far fetched. <laughs> I mean, when fair. would that happen? That, that is mental. <laughs> what what's uh, you know what is this nonsense? <laughs> Doesn't happen at all, does it? In the real world, yeah. I, can't I mean, it's quite nostalgic it. for me as well because I think. Um, I think I, I think the first time I watched it was with my mum when I was younger. I think I think most people watch this film when they're young. That's why I think a lot of people like it because it is like a a milestone in cinema. I think I think it was the, the term blockbuster was invented for this right. film. Yeah, it's always just it's credited like, as being the first yeah. summer blockbuster. And you know, if it wasn't for say like Jaws, then you wouldn't have had like Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, yeah. It's that sort of. And that's like you know you get the uh, the fixture of like films. These big budget films being released every summer now. Um, nice, very nice. Um, I'll just give you a few things I've got here that I've put down as it's what I liked. Um, it's a great example of how to create tension in a film. Like it is less is more with this film. You know, if um, you know, like Ben echoing what Ben said. You know, you, the tension's built up because you don't really see the shark all that often. 
and that's and it even works it plays into that because you've got that scene where they think the shark's in the water and it's just two kids playing a hoax because at that point in the film you've only ever really seen the fin of the shark every now and then you might see a bit more but nothing too um, there's no like there's not too many money shots or glamour shots of the shark up until maybe the end of the film Um yeah, it's just it's so tense, isn't it? You know, and that's added by the the you know that iconic Jaws music that we had playing at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. It's just yeah. it, it you know the second you play it, everyone knows you know what what it is, where it's from, what it represents. Um, I also like the fact that the film's got great chemistry between the three leads. You know, between um, uh, Roy Snyder. Uh, between Robert Shaw and uh, so Rob Schneider, and, Adam Sandler, uh, and Drive. Steve Buscemi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, <laughs> they've, you know, they, they've, they, I, I, I've written down in my notes that it's a great example of like the everyman sort of trope. They're all sort of everymen in their own like way, like you know. Uh, Brody is the police officer. Every man, you know, Quint's the classic, you know, gruff sea dog, and Richard Dreyfus is, you know, the the. Even though he's like a bit, he's a bit rich, but he's like, you know, he's not a glamorous rich guy. He's just he's he's a professional, sort he's of the intellectual, well-educated sort of. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's another. Very theme ab- of the film. They're all very able in their own. Sorry, Ben, but they're all very able mm. in their own way. If that makes sense, and that's where the chemistry is really amazing. What were you going to say? Sorry, Ben. Yeah, I was just. I think that's another theme of the film between like Quentin Hooper, where the like ones you know the old guy with the old ways, and Hooper's the new yeah. guy, and then they learn to like work together as well. There's a lot. Of, yeah. There's a lot of different parts of the story where it's not like thrown in your face, but it like really, you know, it like hangs on the the the, the simple the simple plot. And you can hang yeah. these different themes off it. Yeah, um, it's like you said, it's gruesome, but it's not gratuitous. It's like flashes here and there. You know, you see, you know, you see, uh, you know, you see the dead body of um, I can't remember the character's name in the boat with the eye missing. You get the leg. You get the poor woman's hand or arm when they go to the morgue. Um, you see, obviously, poor Quint gets eaten at the end, and um, that's quite gruesome. But you never, it never feels like it. Never feels like a sort of exploitative B movie, sort of. Um, you know that sort of gruesome for gruesome's sake. It's gruesome enough to show you enough, like of the the the, the horror, the body shock that's going around for people with this film. Um, and yeah, for me, like. That last sort of that as soon as they get on the boat, that's when this film becomes a stone cold classic for me. Like it's an all right film, it's fine, you know. Like you said, you kind of you you know it, um, you, you you sort of empathise with Brody when the old woman or the woman. She, I always I thought it was the kid's grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the seventies were different, and it was like my boy. I'm like, well, you're too old to be that kid's mother. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you see the guilt that he feels over that child's death uh, when he what when he bows the peer pressure from the mayor. Um, you know, you've got like Quint being the old sea dog who's you know what a great introduction to a film where he scratches his nails down the chalkboard during the the town hall meeting and or the uh, public meeting or whatever, and he's like you and he goes you all know me. <laughs> you know, just such a great. But you know, you know, like you like Ben said, you know their motivations and the reasons they all want to come together, and like Hooper, the the shark expert, who you know is just trying to do the right thing. Um, but yeah, what do you think Sam might not like about the film? 
then, if anything. I, 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 like I struggled with this because I don't. I, yeah, I think I don't think there's anything that he wouldn't like. There's the, no. The, there's no waste in this film, is there? It's not. It's two hours long, but it's quite long, isn't it? But like, you don't feel those two hours, do you? You feel sort of it moves at a pretty pretty quick pace there's you know it goes from set piece to set piece you know the, I think the slowest part of the movie is literally when um, Quint's talking about the Indianapolis and the shark attacks I think that's yeah. that's it isn't it um, yeah. I think because it's, it feels like two two halves of one two halves like two separate films in a way yeah I think that's why you can justify kind of like the, 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 the two hours rather than like the 90 minutes that a, a, another thriller would have to be yeah, yeah, it'd be hard to cut this film any yeah. more than what it is. I mean, from my perspective, I just put, I, I just put like the first hours pretty perfunctory. Although there's exciting bits, obviously, you've got the the shark attacks and set. It's more it sets up maybe for the second half. Well, of it's the, film. the ca- yeah, it's the character building, isn't it? So yeah. you, you couldn't have a film with just the second bit and not not it not have it as be as emotionally engaging without the first. The first, yeah, bit. yeah, but like if you say for like say, for example, um, Full Metal Jacket's a film where the first part of that film's clearly much better than the second part. Where this, I wouldn't say it's quite as extreme as that, but I would say it's like for me the first hour was maybe a bit of a chore, not a chore, but you know I wasn't overly invested obviously because I'd seen the film before but once it got into the second half and they're on the boat you know I'm sat there leaning forward in my chair you know (laughs) and it's like I've seen this film before Um, I also I just put perhaps there's a couple of music cues that now now seem a bit they don't seem very good like there's when they attach the um, you know when they attach the barrels onto um, onto the shark and plays like a like a upbeat music as if like oh a, a little triumph and it's like oh this feels a bit jarring for the tone of this film and I noticed also when Rob when uh, Roy is it how do you pronounce it Roy Scheider Scheider that's it yeah when Roy Scheider is um, when he's like the boat sinking and it plays the Jaws theme but it also plays that upbeat theme as well over the Jaws theme right. and I was like oh that's a bit jarring but. <laughs> Yeah. I kind of like I that mean, theme when they're setting out. They're setting out to uh, to go to go catch it. It's like I think it's that same upbeat theme. It reminded me a bit like like they're going on an adventure, like a Peter of the Wolf, Peter and the Wolf kind of yeah. uh, kind of theme. It sounded, it sounded almost yeah. It was very John Williams sort of. It's a bit like um, Hook. It's a little bit hookish. Hmm. There is a few like yeah. quick changes, isn't there, between like you know the upbeat and then the then the you know the more intense one. Like, yeah, yeah, I couldn't understand. It was a, yeah a bit jarring. But yeah, it's just I mean it's hard to hit on this film because it's just so perfectly well made. Um, anyway, I think me and Ben have spoken enough about it for nearly half an hour. I think it's time we get Sam's opinions. So after the break, we're going to get Sam's opinions. Welcome back to Please Watch This. So, Sam, do you feel safe to go into the water and tell us your opinion on Jaws? 
I do. Uh, I mean, I don't feel safe to go into the water, but I do feel safe in, in telling you my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you in the water, Sam. Yeah, that feels like a racial stereotype. I've never seen you. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a manatee. <laughs> Honestly, you'd be afraid to run your bath after watching yeah. this, wouldn't you? Yeah, I can see why it, it had a big effect on people, because it does feel just so... Um, uh, very dangerous to go into the water, <laughs> shall we say? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's everything I expected it to be. It's iconic. Um, the music is iconic and, and and fabulous. Obviously, I mean, growing up, you know, whether it's in the swimming pool or whatever, you'd put your hand like a fin, and you go around saying da da da, and uh, etc. Um, and you know it's iconic for, for a very good reason. And and I have to echo everything that you both have said. Some really insightful things in terms of um, structuring of a film, in particular, and character. It's really good at, at building conflict. Like in the first third of the film, first act kind of time, there's rarely a scene where characters aren't talking over each other. You know, it's a bit like Good Time in that sense of uh, they're trying to build tension. So it's like you know two or three people are going to be on the phone at the same time or he's got to do three or four, uh, Rob Schneider there he's got to do three or four or five things at the same time and worry about lots of different people and lots of different little dramas um, they really do build up the tension very well and it, like you said Ben, you know, it, it, sh- it should be or at least must be um, taught to filmmakers there's always an antagonist and a protagonist in every scene and it's not always the same person every time playing those roles and somebody can be a protagonist in one scene and an antagonist in another in other words you know they've got a, a goal they need to achieve and somebody's stopping them from doing that um, and that is one thing yeah. sorry to Sorry, just to say, but one thing I do quite like, which I think would have been easy for them to do, is when when um, Richard Dreyfuss's character or Dreyfuss's character turns up, he um, him and Rob uh, Roy uh, Schneider <laughs> Schneider's I keep I can't my brain's just yeah uh, him and Brody. Let's just stay. I'm just going to keep with Brody now. Him and Brody, they could have they could have created a conflict yeah. there, you know, between the police and the and the like the the scientists or whatever. But they just he's like they're like the book. Yeah. yeah, is it is it in that is that what it's like in the book? In the book, he, he has an affair with his wife. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! Wow. <laughs> but in this, in this, he's like he's glad to see him. He's like, oh, I'm glad you're here, and you know they're very much on team. Let's let's not have people die. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, ben, ben, have you read the book, or is that just? Uh, have you just? Have, do you know some of the differences? No, I just watched the video that said, you know, this is the right. Is it is it massively? Mark Kermode talks about it right, a lot, of course. And I, um, I did wonder, you know, this has been based on a novel. How you how you convey the the size and and menace of a of a great white uh, on the page. Were there any? Uh, tell tell us tell us second hand. Yeah, were there any any pop up pictures in the in the book or? Do you know how they would do that? I mean. <laughs> I've read books, but I, I always forget how books do it. I don't you know. Know. I, it's, yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot like the way they described it. It's just there's a lot more. The sharks are like a secondary character. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot of like you know stuff going on. A bit like Moby Dick, then, which is you know, uh, two thousand pages, and Moby Dick only appears on yeah. the one thousand nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> that sort of thing. Hooper, Hooper dies in Hooper dies in the in the book right. because you know he's had an affair yeah of course with his wife and and then it doesn't it doesn't end the same way there's lots of subplots 
Uh, it's not a book that I've ever thought. Oh yeah, I want to read yeah. that. Like the, the, it's one, a, a lot of people big, say it's the big, it's one of the only times where the film's better than the book. Right. I, I mean, I've not read Jurassic. Although Park, the actual but... author of the book wrote the script, didn't he? Oh really? Okay. Michael Crichton's a good author. I've read a few of his books. Yeah. But yeah, see, like Jurassic Park again. Good. You know, it's a visual spectacle. It's Spielberg, and it's um, it doesn't make me want to read the book. And I think another great mm. thing about the film, uh, in the same way that Jurassic Park is great and and timeless, is um, is is the restraint really, uh, and I can use Jurassic World as a as a comparison piece, because Jurassic World has the budget <laughs> and special effects to to go too far. Uh, such that, what, five, six years later, people don't talk about that film, really, um, other than what a money-making exercise that was. Whereas, you know, I rewatched Jurassic Park, the 93 original recently, about, about 90% of the effects still hold up, you know, because they don't stretch it, they don't go beyond what they can do. And you don't... It's like, with you know, you don't, basically, you don't need to see, or you really don't want to see these creatures in broad daylight, doing too much on screen for several seconds we need flashes here flashes there um because people will make up what they think they saw in, in their minds and if they're on screen for a long time it's like that um i watched i haven't seen it actually but i watched the video on the uh it's like what people do when they read books isn't yeah it? bloody <laughs> bookworms um the uh one of the one of the predator remakes that was quite recent Nerds. the one with uh keegan um what's his name keegan michael key What's the guy? That's awful. Film. Yeah, the new predator. The, the new one. Yeah. Predator. The predator. Right. predator Shane Black wrote whatever. it. I think. Oh, I directed it's, it. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, he directed and, it. And I watched this this like twenty minute video that was basically saying, look, the the great thing about the original <laughs> Predator was you sort of. Sorry, listener, you can't see Ben's face right now, <laughs> but it's a face of such utter <laughs> disappointment. I'm just stop myself from ranting yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 the man of restraint and remorse. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd describe but that. Sorry, with that with sorry, that Sam, remake reboot, you're thing, probably making some very sequel thing. Um, the, one of the key things was in the original, you barely see the Predator, and you don't see him just stood there in the open in broad daylight because he becomes ridiculous and he is uh, you know vulnerable uh, whereas in the uh, remake he's just this big monster killing machine and you're like well you can't be built he can't be killed so there's no tension here he's going to win and this you know this film does it really well where they've got that restraint whether it's imposed on them or not it doesn't really matter because they, they worked around it really well where it's not an invincible shark it, it does get hit by a harpoon multiple times it does bleed um, but it keeps going uh, and it's not it's not flying through the air like a Sharknado character where you go well that's obviously CGI and therefore I don't give a shit you know they're not trying to overdo it um, so I yeah. Something I, I forgot think... to mention earlier on, actually, when I was saying what I like about this film, is it's very primal. It's that man versus the wild, isn't yeah. it? You know, humanity against it's the environment. You know, the environment is trying to kill you, essentially. You know, a nice, just something that's so benign as, you know, going for a swim in, you know, on the coast. You know, I think they make that point, don't they? It's like... Um, you know, most shark attacks happen within like ten feet of the shoreline or something. <laughs> yeah. Like that. So mm. they try, they very much play mm. that it's you know a real danger that you know you can could happen to anyone. That's not, that's almost gothic, really. You know, it's, gothic is often this this like um, 
yeah. you know, this threat from abroad, that from another another land, generally, who's, who's or, you know, yeah. he's, he's coming to get you. Or like cosmic horror or something Yeah, like that's that. it. And, you know, it was early in the episode that, that Hugh, you the referred other, to as horror. And, you know, unless you'd seen it recently, you wouldn't think, oh, yeah, Jaws, mm. horror film, obviously. But it is, it's got the jump scares, and I think the jump scares has done so much better in this than in in films where they are aiming for jump scares because very recently you know recently horror films have got so self-aware they know that you know a jump scare is coming so they'll do a jump a jump fake out and then the character looks the other way and it's a jump or the character looks the other way oh jump fake out twice oh my god it's there when they look back uh you know and that's it's so cheap whereas this one it's just like uh, there's a tense scene, but it's not like by music cues. I know, I know exactly when the jump's going to happen. It just happens, uh, and it's so much more effective. And it's yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I I call it. It's like it's like it's a horror film set in broad daylight. Yeah, like film. Midsummer. You know, was was the great thing about that was it wasn't just mm. scary dark, uh, scary dark haunted houses. You know. Yeah, they, there's only a few scenes, isn't there, in this film that's set like at night when it, you know, the, the temptation maybe from Spielberg to set everything in the night or when it's dark or dusky, but you know, to have all the main action just happen, you know, bright yeah, as day. Yeah. I, thought, I really, I really like that exactly. It, it actually would have been more. I read somewhere that. Um... Sorry, man. Go on. You read somewhere was, that was. Uh, great. Sorry, I was just going to say you were, talk, you were talking about the uh, the jump scare with the head yeah. um, coming out. Yeah, and I think that I read somewhere that he added Spielberg added that after test screenings because he had two jump scares that you know you saw people and he's like, oh, I've got to add one. Yeah. more. So he went back and, and added that. That's great. Because this was, I mean, <laughs> when, when was the first Halloween Which... film? Was that late seventies, early eighties? Yeah, it was like seventy eight, seventy. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, so like it's yeah, it's right at the dawn of the right at the dawn of the jump scare, as a, as a. I think, you know. I think it came out not long after this actually. God. Oh no, sorry, sorry, seventy eight. Yeah, not seventy five. Um, which was your favorite? Well, the, the, the Exorcist was, was was before this. Oh, film. true. Yeah, true. That was yeah. one of the first films where it got people in uh, into the cinemas. Yeah, very true. And it, it really is the start. Did of you, all do that. you have a particular? Do you have a favorite jump scare? The one that really fucked me up was was the the do head the in the boat. You know, because I had seen that before, but I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And I had to watch this over two nights because I just was so tired. The first night, I was drifting off. Absolutely no fault of the film at all. Just I watched it too late, and. Um, and that that woke me up for a while, as we said. <laughs> so that, that was my favourite. And he drops you, the then? tooth. He drops the tooth as yeah. well. Uh, can't yeah. prove it. Can't prove it. What was your favourite jump scare in the film, then? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. A, I mean, I I know I'm a horror fan, but I'm mm. not a massive jump like fan of jump scares. But yeah, that one that one was good. I love the. I, I mean, obviously when uh, um, the one where he's in the cage. And, he's talking, <laughs> and he just goes quiet, and then he just comes in the back of him, and sh- that 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 made yeah. me jump a bit, like more more than the head one, because obviously I've seen it that many times. Yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. The, yeah. that's the problem that with, was, that, that, with that cattle prod cinema, as Mark Kilmer calls it. Mm. Um, it's not uh, satisfying at all. It's not satisfying at all the first time for me. I find it annoying. It's like I feel manipulated, and obviously I jumped because it was a, a worrying thing that happened. But it's called Cattlebred Cinema because somebody could just literally be behind you in the cinema. Because of the loud music, yeah, just jab you <laughs> in the sides. And so, yeah, it, it's better if it's something that isn't meant to be just like, oh my god. It's more like a, uh, I don't know. It's just less manipulative, isn't it? 
Mm. How about you, Hugh? Have you got I think a favorite? To me, the, the, it's just a classic with the chum. It's just a classic one when he's throwing yeah. the chum because he's not even looking. That's the yeah. audience sees it before yeah. he does. And whilst obviously watching this uh, today and having seen it in the past, it's obviously it doesn't have the effect that maybe it, it maybe first had. But it's just like I watched it today and it gave me yeah. chills. You know, it gave me like think, just because it's so. It's could you imagine? Seeing oh, I know, it, God. Yeah. But I mean, that is that is. That's, a, I think that's the first time you see the shark in the film. I'm, I'm pretty oh, sure that's right. Can't be can proper it? properly. You properly see this. That's the first time you properly see it. You see like its face, basically. Oh well, yeah, you see the actual shark. Yeah. Like, I was surprised um, by how much you see the shark actually, because I had heard that common story of they could just didn't have whether it was the budget or the it just didn't work. Especially towards the end when it gets mm. Quint and all that, and it comes in, I was surprised by how much actual sort of face to face time we get with the. Uh, with the shark that was a bit of a surprise but yeah I mean for that it had very little effect on me because it's such an iconic scene and shot as soon as I see him looking at the camera talking about how about you try and you know lumps of this shit I I, I knew what's coming because I've seen it I've seen it 50 (laughs) times so it didn't really have an effect on me that Hmm. Uh, is there anything else you liked about the film Sam from your notes Um, I mean you know it, it it's um, I'm alright in thinking there was a bit of a towering inferno inferno thing with the three leads on this you know the idea of Robert Shaw's name slightly above the others and uh, and so on because they were kind of hmm. big main stars at the same time is that have I heard that right? Yeah yeah there is yeah know. there is a bit of that sort of like sort of competitiveness yeah. you know agents trying to get their top I know that pick. Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw hated each other on set <laughs> yeah they had a big ego, ego I'm sure that fight. helped their characters actually because obviously there's antagonism yeah, so between the two yeah. Um, but yeah no I mean the, so the performances yeah. were great I, I don't know if I've seen Robert Shaw in anything other than this I've seen Richard Dreyfuss in uh, he's an interesting guy tell me about Robert Shaw well I, I, what from, from like it reminded me when I watched it that I'd see he, he's written a he wrote, he wrote a play I'm not sure if he's written it called um the man in the glass booth, right? And uh, I saw the film of it. Uh, it was made into a film, and what was interesting about it was that he he dis when he he wrote a script for it and he got some changes and he disowned it. And then when when he actually saw the film, he was like, he wanted his name put back <laughs> on it, <laughs> but it was too late because they'd already done the prints. Oh god! <laughs> but it's a really it's a really good film. It's like it's it's a strange film. It's a ho- it's a ho- it's about it's. It, it's like a it's a Holocaust film. It's about a Jewish Holocaust survivor who gets um, basically he gets he, people he gets accused of being a, a Nazi a Nazi like um, um, who was who you know worked in in Auschwitz or whatever and uh, he gets put on trial in, in Israel and uh, it's, it's really interesting and it, it turns out but, I mean I don't mind spoiling it for sure. you because it's not really you know a shocking ending he probably it's basically it turns out that he is Jewish and he's falsified his own records to pretend that he was a Nazi and it's 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 all about the psychology of like survivor's guilt and all that sort of right. thing and it's a really, it's a really interesting film it's weird that Robert Shaw wrote a play about it because I'm not sure if he's got any links to like the Holocaust or anything but uh, I don't think he no. was alive during he was born in Lancashire yeah he's British yeah, as Lancashire. well isn't he, he got, I'm just looking up now yeah, he only yeah, died yeah. a few years after this yeah. came out I had no idea 1978 he was 51 yeah. when he died mm, wow. 
Yes, I thought he was like well over fifty when this yeah. made this film. There's a, there's a YouTube that is clip a life of, of alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it does to you. The YouTube clip of Richard Dreyfus on like an Irish talk show where he starts. He's quite an emotional guy. Richard Dreyfuss. Oh, he's on the Late Late Show, isn't he? Yeah, he starts. You think he meets Robert Shaw's daughter and he starts like you know, crying because he reminds him of wow. her and stuff like that. Yeah, quite an emotional. Uh, mm, yeah, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Uh, he's the only one left alive of the yeah. three principal cast. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Sam, was there anything at all that you didn't like about this film? If you had to, had to pick nits, uh, I mean, not not a fault of the film, just for my enjoyment. Some of the fun has been spoiled over the years, but that's that's my fault for not watching it twenty years ago. To be fair, that, I mean, that was my biggest worry. To be yeah. honest with you, that it's that is so in the public imagination for cinema goers that all the like you said, all those big scenes, you've yeah. seen them. Like, I'm sure you've seen... Had you seen the scene when the sharks explodes at the end before? Yeah, ben, seen... ben had told me about... I don't know if it was Jaws 2 or 4, where it just inexplicably explodes because he explodes in the first one, so he has to explode <laughs> in yeah. the, in one of the sequels. Is that the one with Michael Caine? Is that right? I know that. I think it's in the second one, isn't it? Oh, is Again, it second? But uh, like, right. all the, all the sequels are not very good. The second ones, the second ones is not bad. Ruiz R- 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 Scheider's back for that. Um, Could you say Jaws three Jaws three D is the third one, which is just yeah, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Jaws four: The Revenge is one of the worst films ever made. Also, the funniest films ever made. It's got my favorite. It's got my fu- the funniest non intentional funny line in a film ever, <laughs> where. Because basically, it's 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 Brody's son, and his wife's in it as well. The, the same actress. He's not in it, and he, and she and basically, there's a shark that you know wants to kill them as a revenge. Of course, because sharks remember. Hilarious, and there's a, there's a line in it where um, she she's insane like the mum. She's got this sort of psychic connection to the shark, <laughs> and um, it's, you it's oh yeah yeah yeah. It's uh, it, and then basically. There's a line where she goes, "Oh, that shark kills your brother and your father," and and the son goes, "What? Dad died of a heart attack." And he goes, "No, he didn't. He died of fear. Fear of that shark." (laughs) (laughs) My favourite, actually, funny line in a film is from The Fast and the Furious when um, (laughs) when uh, Dom Toretto says to um, Paul Walker, "He goes, you break a heart." I'll break your neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so stupid. Macho funny. bullshit. Good God. Uh, I think mine is oh, um, Save yeah, Martha. <laughs> Someone was joking. There's um, there's a scene in the new Justice League cut that um, Martha Kent goes to see uh, Lois oh, yeah. Lane and they have this real heart to heart and then when Martha leaves and she's out in the corridor of the apartment, it turns out it's Martian Manhunter because oh, yeah. he's like a shapeshifter. Yeah. And someone was saying that instead of him saying, save Martha, he's saying, save Martian <laughs> Manhunter. <laughs> yeah. Right. No so let's, we won't drag this out for too much longer. Um, oh, uh, I would so say there's there one, one final just... criticism. Sorry, um, yeah. This is sorry. So th- this film is is really excellent in terms of uh, filmmaking and conflict, and as we've said. But I think I felt like the final scene lacked something. Yeah. Still iconic, still um, oh. kind of effective, but 
maybe this is just a, a too modern a perspective. Usually, in that sort of scenario, you would have another ticking clock, or they would emphasise the ticking clockness of it. So you know, he's the boat is sinking, and he basically has to shoot the shark and shoot the you know the canister or whatever uh, before he goes into the water because there's no use there. But I don't think they really emphasised the the urgency of the fact that he's got to make that shot then. And I think a more modern film would have had, say, something like a a fuse or like a you know like a, a line of uh, petrol has been lit on fire, and he's got to make this shot before it gets to something that's going to blow him up or something like that. It was a bit kind of like it was a bit two camera, you know, we've got one on him and one on the shark and it's just he's gotta shoot the shark. It kind of it actually in some ways didn't emphasise what was great about this film is the, the how well it emphasised conflict. It sort of didn't emphasise the conflict in that moment. I don't know if that rings true with either of you. It almost it almost felt anticlimactic. I can't say I noticed personally. Yeah. I, I was gonna say one one thing I liked about it was when he does finally kill him and then he's like oh he's like yeah and then all of a sudden he just like he just goes calm mm-hmm. doesn't he he's just like oh, that's like you know like I kind of like that that it was just kind of it was authentic uh, well I don't want to use the word anticlimactic but yeah and then he's just lying isn't he he's just lying on the all the all yeah. the uh, wreckage of the ship as if God I've finally done what I, basically he's, he's achieved what the film yeah. what his thing was to achieve in the and, film and again you know every Damn, every screenplay there's every no, screenwriting there's no Lord of the Rings no it doesn't stuff. go on for 20 minutes mm. every screenwriting guide will tell you about <laughs> want and need you know and that was his Second. that was his goal for the whole yeah. film and he's achieved it I think maybe you know maybe the maybe the uh, missed out missed a trick really on getting um uh, gosh, what's his name? You know the guy, the guy, the oceanographer, Christ, um, thingy, Hooper, Hooper, oh, Hooper. Um, something that meant that he was in peril. Maybe the shark was going for him, you know. So it's like yeah. you've got to shoot him before yeah. he gets Richard Dreyfus, Hooper's character. So just something, it's you know, just from a modern book... perspective, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the book ends um, with. Obviously, Hooper dies, gets killed, and Quint gets killed, and uh, basically, <laughs> uh, it, it, the, the shark is just about to eat Brody, um, but then just dies and like just succumbs to his wounds, oh, like no, <laughs> and just dies. Yeah, <laughs> and Spielberg was like, "I'm going to change the ending," and it, like the, the um, Peter Bletchley, I think, who wrote it, was just like, "I oh, don't change the ending." And it's like after he saw the film, he's like, "Yeah, it's a good job we changed the ending." <laughs> Better on the page. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the end right. of Jaws four, the impale the shark with a boat, and it just explodes because <laughs> <laughs> it flashes. It shows scenes from the first film, <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is it exploding? <laughs> um, right, so let's get into it. Uh, what's your favourite scene of the film, uh, Ben? Right, well. I'm going to surprise you here. My favourite scene is the scene with his kids, where he's copying, copying his actions. I just after he's just been slapped by the woman whose um, kids died, and it goes cuts back to the house, and you can see him at his low point. And it's such a little nice, lovely, intimate scene, seeing yeah. that Spielberg's so good yeah. at, good at. And it just adds so much to the character. What, when just, he asks for it. like the kiss, so simple, so so simple. I like, can just. 
it's a lovely scene. Lovely. That feels like uh, an influence um, in that in that moment in um, I want to say it's in um, Captain America: Civil War, where the woman goes up to Tony Stark and says, basically, you know, my my son died in Sokovia, and it, that's like a massive turning point for his his oh, yeah. accepting of the Sokovia Accords. You know, this idea of. Yeah, that 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 great responsibility that he he holds. But you're right, you know, just mm. to show him with his kid. But I mean, this film really shows 1970s parenting at its absolute worst. Like, <laughs> I'm sure they'll come back. Like at the start, they're just having this like nice little like chilled conversation. Then they go outside. Their little one can't be older than my daughter is out on the swing on their own, like in front of a main road, and it's like <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> you know, I can't believe. And I was thinking about this actually as well. Like their grandparents will have come from an era where you have nine kids because eight will die, you know. And so yeah. like that filters down. <laughs> it's not the but, but to be fair, but to their be grandparents, fair, even when I was, even when, even when we were growing up, even when <laughs> oh their yeah, grandparents, yeah, yeah. yeah. To be fair, the parenting when I was growing yeah. up, they just used to yeah. let us go off. Yeah, and do that's whatever right. Nineties parenting. I would, yeah. As soon as I turned These six, it's like crazy. Like I never think that. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> come back before ten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> come back before. Yeah. yeah, it used to be. Yeah, mm, back, back before, before it was dark. dark. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, let's let's stop the nostalgia <laughs> fest. Um, uh, Sam, what was your favourite scene in the film? Uh, it was where they're comparing wounds. You know. It, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's fun. a it's a great scene, and it, it um it's calm before the storm. Linked back to what you said, Hugh, about you know it's in in broad daylight for the most part of the drama. They've done all the drama in the in the daylight. That's in the yeah. in the night time, and they're just drinking and you know pretending they're yeah. in the film The Lighthouse, you know, uh, uh, until it, until it gets light enough that the <laughs> drama can start again. And I love it. I think it's I think it's a really yeah. good bit of reconciliation as well between the three characters. Yeah, no, it's a good scene, isn't it? And there's the the singing, and he tells the story of the what? Indian yeah. What's interesting about that scene is this is a bit of a subtle filmmaking for you. Is after that scene when the um, when they connect, you'll notice that when it cuts to the cuts to the day, um, Hooper and, and Quint are both wearing the same colour. Oh right, interesting. It's like they've you know they're on the same side. That's good. I like that. I love that stuff actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's something yeah, yeah. so subliminal yeah. yeah, that yeah. you would never notice it. Yeah, but there's lots of there's lots of stuff like this in the film in the film like well like like you but said yeah, Ben you know you you would love this film and not even know why you love it and those are the things that make that happen you know yeah. those are the things that seem like unnecessary effort it's but it? it's the stuff that low effort filmmaking doesn't do mm. so my favourite scene of the film is the bit when Hooper goes into the shark cage like the tension in that bit where the sharks just coming at him and like a battering ram trying to break through and eat him and it's like, like it's a miracle he survives and it was I did, I just I don't know it just was even though it's not maybe the most you know you I know the end of the film so I was kind of like oh well obviously he's going to survive but it's just it was probably like the, it's more exciting I think like you said Sam than maybe the climax of the film it's strangely yeah. because I suppose maybe the climax of the film yeah I have seen it you know, I've probably seen those those few. You know, whenever they do like, you know, as we mentioned before, these top hundred things, or like they talk about these films, they'll always show the bit where the head, the shark pops out, or the shark explodes, or you know, when he 
you know, a hundred other little scenes, but this one they don't really show that often, but it's so like, you know, his plan, he's got a very sort of, well, what else can you think of us to do? You know, I've got, this is all like, this yeah. is what, this is what we're left with. And it's kind of, it's a very desperate plan, isn't it? And it's, it, it's so foolhardy, <laughs> but... It's it's yeah. another it's another arrow in the in the quiver of a screenwriter is to demonstrate the threat that the that the villain really poses. This isn't a oh, shark yeah. like any of them have seen before. He just fucks up this shark cage. It's literally a cage for sharks, yeah. and it it makes mincemeat <laughs> of it. And you're right, he's lucky to survive. Oh yeah, he. It's also it, go on, sorry. Sorry, uh, I was just going to say it. It also goes into that theme about Quint, who's like, you know, Quint's the old school guy, and he's used to, he's at the end, you know, he can't think of how to, how to, you know, how to defeat it. So then he he turns to him and says, right, what's this? You know, what have you got? And that's like, yeah, it's just part of the theme as well. Again, like you know, of old versus new, and definitely, yeah, he because he's got yeah. he's got shark jaws all over his uh, his place. Yeah. He he's been there and back, and he, and he's he doesn't know what to do with this one. Um, I'm going to ask, and but I feel I know the answer to this question. What was Ben? Because you're the guest. What was your favourite shot of the film? <laughs> I've got a lot of favourite shots actually. Um, I do I do really like the one. Then this is a proper filmmaking one where he's it's near the start of the film where they go into that jet and it's just one long shot and a lot of pe- a lot of people could like could talk about blocking and uh, you've got you've, it's just one long shot and it's really good because they're on a they're on like a little jetty that's spinning around so there's a lot of stuff going on around in the background so it doesn't seem like one shot there's a lot of movement and you've got Brody in like the corner on the left and then you've got the mayor and all his cronies like cornering him in. And then you've got like the car, the expensive <laughs> car, and it's just a really, it's just a really good sh- to show, like you know, this is the money, the money is here, you know, mm. they're stopping. Yeah, that, I, don't, I don't, I just, I just wanted to mention that because it's not my favourite shot, but I wanted to say that was a good shot. But my favourite yeah, shot is. is the one where Quint is, um, is where Quint is uh, over the side of the boat uh, uh, on the like, just it's just a quick shot. Of He's on the bridge just, like, thing, I think they call it. It's yeah. on like the little yeah, yeah. The little walkway, and it's just like and I just thought that was a great <laughs> shot. Like, you know. I had that as mine. I, it was the I, certainly it, oh, wow. it was the prettiest shot. You know wasn't what? It? Just before you see, you, we know we know what you're going to say. We know what you're going to say. It's the dolly zoom shot, obviously, <laughs> and and yeah. and that is that is the most cinematically both of you. significant one. But so the the quick it, one it, is it, 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 that, to me. You can't have that because it was just Nick from Vertigo. <laughs> I mean, you can still have it. So but... any film made since 1985. <laughs> yeah, and you know our good friend uh, Dakota Con- Contra Zoom Pod. That's named after that Dolly Zoom shot. You know that's that's what that's all about. Uh, it is a it is a really good technique, regardless of who uses it. Uses it so first. simple as well. So simple, but it's so just, simple. It's, yeah, you you think this makes yeah. I mean, it's not just like the best shot of the film. It's like it's an iconic shot of cinema that just because yeah. it's it's not just it's oh it's like the composition you're talking about blocking Ben it's what it mm. does really great is it's it's practice it's a symmetrical shot as well so mm. it, uh, in in cinema a lot of the times um, obviously because of like how you frame things you, the rule of thirds usually kicks in so people so a lot of shots aren't symmetrical. And a great way to um, 
to make people feel uneasy uh, or to feel a bit unusual is to have things as, as symmetrical as possible and with that what they do so cleverly is he has his wife they have his wife go around the back of him and start massaging him or putting on mm. sometimes I think she's just giving him massage isn't she but that blocks out the back which stops the scene from being uneven the shot from being uneven and just the way it zooms out on but the background zooms out but he zooms in it it, it just so well quantifies what he's feeling in that moment as well that oh it's great it's yeah. like that pit your stomach sort of feeling that yeah. you get you know yeah. when something's about something that goes horribly that, that that's whole what scene it feels as well, like, like really, really shocking happens yeah yeah that that whole scene there's a lot of shots where you, you you've got like focus on the foreground and the background it really reminded me of a Brian yeah. De Palma film. If you watch Brian De Palma, <laughs> so many, so many shots he has that like the foreground and the background both in focus. Like or a little bit like it follows. A little bit like it follows. You know yeah. when you, they're sat around and you're watching the background for stuff. Because yeah, the the, the yeah. water is in the background and you're like something is going on there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sam. So, so yeah. what did you say your favourite shot was? Uh, I had a similar favourite shot to Ben, actually. Just in terms of pretty shot, I don't think it's a very pretty film. It looks like most films from the 70s shot on film uh, most of the time. And, yeah, the the bit where um, Quint is just he's leaning against that, that rope. I think I think they call it the bridge, or they call it something. It's like walking the plank, but yeah. not actually out into the sea. Yeah, he's got that beatific little smile on his face, and it is a really pretty... Sunset, uh, crepuscular kind of kind of shot, and it's beautiful. What did you notice the uh, shot with the shooting star, or the two shots? Yeah, I I, I thought yes, when I, I saw the second one, I thought, wait a minute, does that mean that it's fake, or was that just an extraordinary good look? I wanted to ask you about that. Well, that's a trademark of Spielberg. He's got a shooting star in a lot of his films, but there's two stories. There's one where this this is the first film that he had a shooting star in, and it was by accident. And, um, yeah, I'd see. I got that. Then sense, he started yeah. putting it. He put he put it in his other films, um, shooting star in. But then I've read somewhere that it's a myth, and he was actually, you know, it was done. But so, so there's two there's two stories, and I don't know which one's true. But this is the, the first second film occurrence of it. He's got it in. The second occurrence of it appearing so soon after yeah. the first one, it looks mm. a lot faker as well. The first one, I thought, well, that you know, it, it looked genuine, and I was I was like, mm. oh my god. I I really need to go to IMDb trivia to find out, but I didn't want to ruin it for myself, basically. Uh, so yeah, so interesting. Um, I realise we've skipped past favourite lines. Uh, ben, what was your favourite line of this film? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I've probably got. I mean, I always, you know, you you know, you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. It's probably it's probably the best line. A very miss, very often imp- improvised as well. Really? Yeah, we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, an improvised yeah. line by after. Yeah, um, interesting. So yeah, I think I think I've got to choose that one. There is a lot of nice, there is a lot of cool, funny lines in it, but that's the most memorable, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. And you know, like I, 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 I often misquote it because in Blow, the film Blow, when they get loads of money, he says we're going to need a bigger boat, and that's what I assumed yeah. the original quote was. And in Clerks. Yeah. Salsa shark. <laughs> uh, does anyone? Yeah. I do love the last line though. Oh yeah. I used to hate the water. Can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, it's good, isn't it? There's is some like dark humour in this film, isn't there? Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you have another? F- was that your favourite line as well, Sam? We're going to need a bigger boat. No, I've got a bit of a monologue for you. Okay. Uh, listen up. Oh, here we Story go. time with Sam. Zombies. 
I've seen it once before in a rat, and I've seen it now in men. Once one gets a taste for its own kind, it can spread through the pack like a wildfire, mindlessly chomping and biting at their own hinds. Nothing but the taste of flesh undermines. You know the thing about a rat? It's got lifeless eyes, black eyes like a doll's eye. Don't seem to be living at all when it come at you, till it bites you. And then the eyes roll over white, and you don't hear nothing but the screaming and the hollering. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, oh, it's a little Charlie. <laughs> oh, sorry, I got the wrong clip. I think I've, what was that? <laughs> 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 We've been trolled here, Ben. <laughs> That's Charlie Kelly, King of the Rats. Oh, it's, it's always sunny. <laughs> <laughs> okay well that was unexpected that was that was watching that watching that scene in It's Always Sunny in, in Philadelphia um, was what made me think I must have seen this film because when he got into that speech I thought that must be Jaws but I don't know if I just connected the dots or something it's such a good it's such a good um, impression because when I watched Jaws I was like oh my god <laughs> is that actually Charlie Day playing this guy, playing Quinn I couldn't believe it so I like note, about this podcast know, I, Sam so go on, go on. <laughs> I was yeah. just going to say, I love, I love the fact that you're watching these films, and they've just basically described com- com- comedy shows to you. Like, oh, that's a reference to that. <laughs> I now get reference humour every week. I get closer to reference. You know, understanding. understanding yeah, and as a side note, I, I, as you know, I like to watch everything with subtitles, and I didn't understand a fucking word Quinn said the whole way through this film until that monologue. You know, that monologue was the first time I was like, oh, I am actually getting every word he's saying here. Yeah, he's uh, he's a difficult character to understand. Did you have any other quote? But anyway, that monologue, that's my favourite line. That's that's my favourite line. Yeah. Uh, For me, yeah, it's the classic, we're going to need a bigger boat. Um, The other one I liked was, obviously, when they're comparing the scars. and, uh, And then, just at the end, Hooper points to his chest and he goes... Mary Ellen Moffat, she broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, it was um, just good. I love like, that in the scene as well. Stuff. Yeah, because it's. I love the it where um, <laughs> Brody's just like oh, looks at his shirt, just looks at the little scar, and just. Oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little improvised like ditty from Quint where he's like, "Here lies the body of Mary Lee, died at the age of 103. For 15 years she kept her virginity. Not a bad record for this vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, that really tickled there's me a, that. But, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. another line that Quint says when he's like, uh, when when Brody's just like saying bye to his wife, like saying like, you know, um, the, the women that they don't like you, they don't like you leaving, but they love it. They love it when you come back in. <laughs> like Just like winding him up. I've gone fishing. Right. Yeah. So that's all that. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to have the critics. We're going to get Sam's rating out of ten, and then we're going to find out what we're going to be doing next week. So join us in. I don't know about fifteen to sixteen seconds. Who could possibly say? Not you. Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. So, as is tradition with our wee podcast, uh, we're going to do the critics. Um, 
So, who do you think we're going to do first, Sam? Or Ben? Ben, Roger Ebert. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon Roger Ebert. It was, yeah. We're going to look at Roger Ebert. Strangely enough, this review that was on uh, Old Ebert's website, it was actually from 2000. It wasn't from... Um, no. It wasn't from... the At the time, it wasn't a contemporary uh, review. It was from the 25th anniversary or something like that. I think it was. Basically, which makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they re-released it. Working, then, wouldn't it be? Yeah, they, I think it yeah. was. Well, he's great. He did like a great movies book, didn't he? I think it was on when he reviewed films. Yeah, and, you know, great. They movies. they did a re-release for some reason in two thousand for the twenty. Well, for the twenty fifth anniversary. So basically, Ebert talks about you know what we've spoke about a lot here tonight about the um, you know not seeing the shark. You know, and he basically says in keeping. The Great White off-screen, Spielberg was employing a strategy used by Alfred Hitchcock throughout his career. A bomb is under the table and it explodes. That is surprise, said Hitchcock. The bomb is under the table, but it does not explode. That is suspense. Spielberg loves... Uh, sorry, Spielberg leaves the shark under the table for most of the movie and many of its manifestations in the later part of the film are are at second hand. We don't see the shark, but the results of his actions. The payoff is one of the most effective thrillers ever made. And that's that's what Ebert had to think about. Accurate. It. Now, characteristically do th- accurate. Do you think exactly? Yeah, it's it's so spot on, isn't it? Now, do you think he gave it anything less than four stars? Is the real question. I do not. Ben. No, he, yeah, he only gave it four stars. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, I mean, he's had <laughs> twenty-five years to gestate on what he thinks of this film. I'm sure he maybe did a review at the time, but it wasn't there. Um... So yeah, so we know obviously uh, Mark Kermode. You mentioned him earlier. Is a massive fan of this film. Uh, I felt it was only appropriate to get a quote at least from or a review from him. And um, yeah, for the 40th anniversary, he uh, did a piece in the Guardian. So here's some of it. He says, uh, first thing, first things first. Jaws is not about a shark. It may have a shark in it, <laughs> and indeed all over the poster, the soundtrack album, the paperback jacket, and so on, it may have uh, scared a generation of cinema-goers out of the water for fear of being bitten in half by the teeth of the sea. But the underlying story of Jaws is more complex than the simple terror of being eaten by a very big fish. As a novel, it reads like a... Uh, morality tale about the dangers of extramarital sex and the inability of a weak father to control his family and his community. As a film, it has been uh, variously interpreted as everything from a depiction of masculinity in crisis to a post-Watergate paranoid parable about corrupt authority figures. But as a cultural phenomenon, the real story of Jaws is how a B-movie-style creature feature became a genre-defining blockbuster that changed the face of modern cinema. And uh, yeah, very good. I think in those, yeah, you know, Again, he's pretty much characteristically some... accurate. And I think what's really interesting there yeah. is just to, sorry to make a quick point is that, yeah, uh, and we we sort of said some of the things last week. You know, with the likes of Trump and so on, it's hard to make good political satire because they're all making the jokes themselves. So you have to make something that's a little bit more coded like this, you know, uh, rather than just oh, isn't it crazy what Donald Trump said this week? 
you have to make something that's so metaphorical that somebody years later might think it was about Nixon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think what's what's interesting about the reviews at the time, um a lot a lot of like uh, um classic reviewers from the seventies basically said this this film like ruined ruined films like it was when <laughs> films got worse. And now wow. we see it as a classic where, like, you know, you go back and say, like, you know, this is, you know, classic film. But, yeah, a lot of reviewers back then were like, oh, it's just a, you know, it's just a gruesome, gratuitous film. It's not got any, like, depth to it or anything. Well, it's now worth That's saying, so oh, it's one of the, you know, it's such a great well, film. Well, you think yeah. how many films must have tried to ape what it does, you know, over mm. the years? But, yeah, Spielberg made the... Made the uh, reference to Hitchcock as well. I think when he was describing it, he, he, he had to make it more like Hitchcock. And I was, I, I, it's, uh, it reminded me of a video I watched of Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese um, being interviewed together. And they, like, one of the master questions. I think the interviewer said, like, oh, you know, you say Hitchcock is the master. Why is that? And he goes, well, he just created this whole way of making films that everyone has copied from him like and he is the master because just you watch one of his films he's like yeah that's that's how you do it like it's just perfect like <laughs> how to create tension when, you, when you're that influential it must make you look worse over time because people mm. have perfected it and refined it and they go well the way you were doing it was so old-fashioned yeah. it's like no i literally invented <laughs> uh, some some of the language of cinema yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I set yeah. this up so yeah. you could improve it yeah, as you said uh, like when you've got yeah. brian de palma martin scorsese and Sp- steven spielberg going oh yeah we, we copied off hitchcock <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, it must be a good film <laughs> yeah, yeah probably decent yeah, yeah. probably yeah. probably worth a watch for some of his films i guess yeah. um so i'm going to be very cliche and say sam um how many bigger boats out of ten would you give uh, uh, Jaws? Uh, a nine. I'll give it a nine. Yep. Uh, yeah, nine. Very strong, very good, excellent, iconic ben, film. Can I tempt you with a nine or a ten? Or yeah, I mean, I was thinking nine until I watched it again, and then I just thought I can't really like you know give it a nine because it's so because it's good. I mean, I think every time most. Farmers, I've been on here. I've gave the film a ten, which I need to. Uh, <laughs> you need to rain yourself. But we do get you on because because you love the film. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a ten. You did say. I'm going to give it a ten. Why not? Say it was in if it's in your top ten films of all time, it's in your top ten films. Yeah, that nostalgia. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, again, similar to what Ben says, it's hard not to give this a ten. You know, even the, like I said, like when I was saying, you know, maybe what you might not like about it, the first half, maybe just being a bit perfunctory or a bit sort of cliched or whatever. Even then I'm still like, but it's good character building for what comes later. You know what I mean? It's such. Yeah, no, in in many ways, I almost prefer the first half. It wasn't, it Mm. wasn't a full metal jacket situation where you've got a 10 out of 10 first half and then a seven out of 10 Mm. second. You know, I really did appreciate the first half. I mean, I love films from the seventies. Uh, like it's my favorite, my favorite decades, and I love that aesthetic that they've got, the grittiness and yeah. Uh, uh, there's so many films from the seventies that I'd recommend to you. The the, the, the the film stock or whatever, however they use the film stock, has a very unique quality to it, doesn't it? Sort of stuff from like the sixties and seventies. You can you can place it. It does you? mean that it's not very pretty, though. I do find that like other than it can be a bit flat when Quint's leaning against that rope. It's not very yeah. And so it's not it's not very A twenty four is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. 
So what we're going to do, as usual, we're going to make Sam answer us some perfunctory questions. Um, Why not? And check how much he was watching the film. If he gets any wrong at any point, uh, Ben, feel free to jump in with the correct answer if you know it. So, question one. Uh, how does Quint get everyone's attention during the um, community meeting? <laughs> Nails on a blackboard. He does. And can you remember what he says? His first line? You all know yeah, me. Yeah, that's the one. You all know me. <laughs> it's such a great line. Such a great way to be like <laughs> introduce yourself because obviously the audience doesn't know who he is. No, it's, but it's great. Uh, it shows yeah. that he's got a reputation. Yeah, in one line. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's all we need to know. We yeah. don't need every. We don't need his biography. Yeah, you know, it's like, and you know, you see the joke, the the tur- you know, like sort of the um, <laughs> how would you describe it. Uh, they sort of um, flipping that on its head in like Guardians of the Galaxy where he, where he's like, oh, you know who I am? I'm Star-Lord. And they're like, no, never heard of you. <laughs> you know, that he hasn't got the reputation that he wants. Uh, question yeah. two, what breed of shark do the fishermen catch thinking it's the killer shark? Oh, good. Very good question. Um, I don't think it's a tiger shark, but that does come up as a thing. Um, could you give me the first letter? Because it's right there. In fact, I think I feel like Ben. Ben should have a go at this. Well, it, yeah, it, it, you got it right. It's a tiger shark. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Because they go, don't they? They go, what type of shark even is this? And she was like, it's a tiger shark. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's put on that tiger shark. <laughs> uh, well done Ben so one all uh, question three well I think you've got to give that to Sam he, he did say that but he you know you don't get the answer right if you think that's what it is if he, he had to you, yeah you, okay you, I agree you did, I agree. You did give it to that's him that's fine he's our guest he takes it uh, cheers Ben question three what is the name of the boat that the three protagonists set out on the orca it is well done, correctamundo, and famously, uh, orca whales or killer whales um, are the uh, only natural predator of great white sharks. Absolutely, they fuck them up. <laughs> 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 Question four: uh, What is the name of the ship that uh, Quint was on when it was sunk by the Japanese in World War Two? The oh. Uh... RSS is it not RSS? What USS? Um, That's a feed, isn't it's it? In the yeah, the USS is it Indianapolis or just Indiana? Indi- you tell us, Ben. We're you help me you. out. Yeah, you, no, you're out the first time. Indianapolis. 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 So, Indianapolis. Yeah. Two two. Drop two all. Hiroshima bomb. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing they could get yeah. a ship up that high in the air, isn't it? Um, and then question five. <laughs> you can tell I ran out of questions here because I couldn't think of anything. Uh, what are the residents of Amity celebrating? Specifically. Fourth of July. I've got Fourth uh, uh, of July. So uh, what are they doing? For you, no, Hugh? Just before, hang on. Before you ask me questions, <sighs> what on. what have they what have they actually got on on the Fourth of July? They've got they've got something specific. Uh, do you mean like a festival carnival, or like even more specific than that? Uh, yeah, they've like got they've got like a like a they're doing something specific on the fourth of July in Amity. It's on the um, it's on the billboard. Oh, in that case, Ben, I need your help. I'm not sure, you know. It's obviously Independence Day in it in America, but I'm not sure what they're doing. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing on the no. 
Not sure. It's the uh, annual regatta, the fiftieth. Oh, the fiftieth uh, annual the regatta. regatta gala. Who has it? You know, has a regatta gala yeah. at night. Um, good. Uh, here's a question for you. What is the okay. reward that Quint um, insists upon? Uh, well, I don't ask. I don't answer the question, Sam. I, I, I ask. Ben, him. what's the reward that Quint insists on getting for? I won't, I'll, I'll find him for three. Well, I'll kill him for ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kill him for ten. <laughs> yeah. Kill him for ten. Excellent. Well, that yeah. was the classic Jaws. Sam, sometimes we forget to do this, but I've remembered this week. Would you recommend Jaws to people? No way. No way. No, didn't think no, so. No, it's, it's too too scary. It has to be said, episode 86 of our show where we watch films we should have seen by now, and we're just getting to Jaws. So, listener, what could be around the corner? Honestly, we're not I mean, scraping the barrel here. Honest, we we, thought, have, we are it. ignorant for miles. We are ignorant for days. I thought you'd seen it, so that's why it was only recently when you were like pretty certain you hadn't yeah, seen yeah. it. No, don't downsell it, Hugh. I'm telling the listener to keep listening. Keep listening. Right, Jesus. So, Sam... <laughs> What film are we going to be watching next time on this? Well, I've told them to keep listening, and then immediately I say, we're going to take a week off. Um, It's my birthday next week, and it's Easter holiday, I'm not working. I plan on not being... Like compassmentous enough to, to actually record a podcast, so <laughs> we are going to take a week off to watch a specific film. <laughs> yeah, uh, for zero money. Um, yeah. Our film when we do come back at our leisure, because it's entirely up to us. To be honest, it's not nothing to do with you, listener. I mean, it's lovely that you're there, but it wouldn't be any different if you weren't. Um, is the Coen Brothers film Raising Arizona? Hugh, what do you know about Raising Arizona? Uh, not a great deal, other than I think it, I can't even remember the. I know it's got Nicolas Cage as one of the stars, and for my chagrin, I can't remember the female lead of the film. Um, so I can't remember. Who It'll be a nice surprise. Yeah, and then I know again it's Cohen. I think is it the Cohen Brothers' first film because it's from like 1990. No, you're both shaking. It's a very head. early film, though. You are very shaking my head at me like I'm some sort of. Ignorance. So it's like idiot noob. Yeah. yeah, who's never heard of cinema? God, what is it? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very early film. This. Yeah, I know it's. You might be the second film. Yeah, so I was close. Um, yeah, I know that they steal some babies off a rich couple or something, and try and raise the babies as their own. And they're, they're like basically like kind of white trash. I think would be the term. And um, hilarity slash criminality ensues. It's, it seems very Coen Brothers esque. Have you seen it, Ben? Yeah, love it. Do you recommend it's a great it? Film. I'd recommend it. Well, definitely. If Ben recommends it. It's going to be shit, then, isn't it? No, I'm joking. Who's the other approvals there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing next time, Sam. A question I've got for you, Hugh. Um, okay. If in two weeks from now the listener wants to air their opinions on anything, um, how could they do Go that? Go to Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, if they want it to be read by us, for example. Oh, read by us. They can email us. There's that facility. Right. Yeah, so... But it's 1975, Hugh, and there's a shark on the loose. Are they really going to email us? Um, Fucking hell. It's it's 4th of July tomorrow. A bit busy, actually. There's a regatta gala. Yeah, I mean, Sam, you know, they can always just email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. I mean, it's... 
2021. I mean, what he, what he, well, what I, I wouldn't crazy know. weird rant are you going off into here? What's this all about? Uh, look, I, I'm Gosh. just I'm just a lad from Leeds with a lust for life. That's all I am, and um, <laughs> as a result, I'm very big on very big on the social medias. Uh, to to yeah. wit, um, they can also get in touch with us via Twitter <laughs> at Please Watch Pod. Yeah, they can tweet. Uh, also, Instagram and Facebook, yeah. but you know, tw- Twitter's the way to go. We now have Barry from EastEnders following us, so therefore, I mean, follow us if you like. Dream. But it really doesn't matter because I've we've achieved our goal. Um, Sean goal Williamson, in life clearly read his book. You're, read his you're book. genuinely Good. pleased about that, aren't you? You're like actually He's, like a dog with two dicks about that. I like I like his book. It's good. It's about wanting to be I good know. at quizzing. I recommend it. That's good. Anyway, listener, I love you. I deal with ben listening. really likes you. Hugh is indifferent. Uh, we'll talk at you two weeks from now. Ben just nodded. Yeah, it's, it's fine with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He nodded in this video, um, in this audio medium. <laughs> Listener, the best thing you can do is just the best thing you can do is recommend it to a friend or, or email or tweet. And I will yeah. see you next time. Tell and people. I love you. And bye. bye.